Our text today, very familiar passage of Scripture, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, and the title of the message, which immediately many of us will begin to hum within our hearts and minds, Oh, how he loves you and me. This is our Valentine message. Oh, how he loves you and me. Let's pray together. Almighty God, what a blessed, precious, glorious worship experience. Singing praises, being together, just enjoying the fellowship in you. I pray now for the word. Oh, Lord, you know how my heart, my heart, my heart has never ceased in all of these years to pray clarity, Lord Jesus, the anointing, and that we will receive your word because when we receive your word, we receive you because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Forgive us of our sins, we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. As so often we will journey through these two verses, <clears throat> phrase by phrase, and let me read them. They are so familiar and so precious. And that is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. One of the incredibly enjoyable and exciting opportunities in preparing to preach the Word of God is when he leads me to one of these well-known passages of Scripture and a passage that maybe we say, we repeat, we think about, but then we need to take some time every once in a while and to go deep into it. And that is where that I have been for the past couple of days. And in this passage of Scripture, and many of you have a bulletin in front of you, the outline is there, and you already know where we're headed today. And that is good. I like that. But these two verses of Scripture really, really, really emphasize how God loves us. And there is, there is an incredible, incredible inspiration and motivation for us in how we are to express that love to other people. So here we go. We break down the passage phrase by phrase, and the first thing that we are made aware of is that God's love is for everybody. We need to let that sink in, and that is when it says, for God so loved the world. That's a lot of people, friends. And that's been a lot of people since the beginning of time. And that kind of love that is inclusive of everybody is an incredible, wonderful teaching of our faith. The basis of our faith is loving one another. Some years ago, Tom Rayner, who was the president, CEO, executive of Lifeway, the major publishing arm of Southern Baptist Convention, He's written some 40-plus books, but one that just really shook the churches was the one entitled Simple Church. And his thought there was that church ought to be simple. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. 
And he brought it into this perspective and that churches need to make their mission statement or their purpose as to love God, love the world, and serve others. And that's what it's all about. And that's the love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Love God. What are we about here? Love God, love the world, and serve others. And then that raises a question, and this question uh, came up just last week in one of our Baptist Village Bible studies. And this might be easy to say, but it is not easy to apply. Amen. It is easy to say, and you know me, I'm, a, I'm the preacher that when I stand here, I have gone through the who, what, when, where, and how. Because I want it to be very practical. I want us to be able to take it with us in our heart. And so when we say to love God, love the world, serve others, God's love is for everybody. How do we do that? Now, I can verify every bit of this by scripture and I'm simply going to list these, and I don't know how to describe them. There's four ways to love, or there's four kinds of love, or there's maybe four different kinds of people that we are called to love. And this is the way it went in my heart, and I share it with you. And that is that some people are easy to love, amen? There are some people that, I mean, your heart just spills out and overflows they are about the sweetest, kindest, most wonderful people in the world. And I will just go ahead and say, if you don't love them, you got a problem, friends. And I'm telling you, all down through the years and all of the wonderful, lovely churches that I've ever pastored, there have been those people in there that, I mean, just everybody loved. Easy to love. But then, I'm sorry to say that there are some people in our lives who are difficult to love. You know, it may be the way they're wired, it may be their life experiences, but we just can't seem to make that connection with them that it is difficult. And when I say to love, I don't mean to love, but it's just difficult to relate to them. And we need to realize that we can love some people even though it is hard to love them, amen? We can do that. An old associate I had would every once in a while say this little rhyme and it would say to dwell there above with those we love, oh that will be glory, but to dwell here below with those we know, man that's a different story, amen? That's a different story. But how do we love those who may be difficult? And I went back and I, I share this now and it'll take me a while to get over it, out of Lloyd John Ogilvy's book that is entitled, When God First Thought of You. And that is, he shared that he was going through a difficult time in his life, shared it with an accountability, trusted friend. And the friend said to him, Lloyd, you need to sit down, you need to take some time, and you need to meditate on how God saw you when he first thought of you. And I'm going to tell you, when God first thought of every one of us, it was wonderful, beautiful, loving, and kind. If there's somebody difficult in our life, I think we can work it this way, and that is, God helped me to see them the way you see them. 
And it may be that life has been a very difficult journey for them, and it's just not easy to get in there. There's a third way to express our love, and that's a sad love. This is Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. He's on his way to Holy Week. He's on his way to observe the Passover. He knows that he is on his way to the cross of Calvary. And as he tops the Mount of Olives and looks over the city of Jerusalem, he begins to weep and he begins to grieve and to say, Jerusalem, 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 how often would I have gathered you to myself like a mother hen gathers her chicks. O Jerusalem that stoneth the prophets. But you would not. But you would not. And we have those people in our lives that they have gone a certain path. There are certain things that have happened and it makes us sad. But I'm here to tell you, friend, we can still love them because God loves everybody. Then there is a fourth way and that is tough love. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 11 through 12 says, Whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Whom the Lord loves, he corrects. And there come those experiences in our life that we love someone so much and we know that they are headed toward or are subject to a devastating experience in their life and if we have a relationship where we can speak to them, we speak to them, by all means we pray for them, and that, Lord, help them not go down that path. And that's a tough love. But as I walked in here a while ago, I wrote a fifth kind of love, and that is eternal love. God loves everybody. Some of us easy, some of us difficult. Sometimes it's a sad love as, as God grieves over us. Sometimes it's a tough love as God corrects us. But our heart's desire is that we would experience that heavenly home and that eternal love. And let's go back and ask the question, how can I love everybody? I'm going to tell you, friend, it's going to take a dose of good old-time religion. It begins in our heart, not in their heart. Amen. It begins with us, not them. We make the change, not them. Relax, James, I want to sing so bad I can't stand it. Give me that old-time religion. Amen? It was good enough for Daddy. Woo! It was good enough for Mama. It was good enough for my brothers and sisters. It's good enough for me. And what does it say? Makes me love everybody give me that old-time religion God's love is for everybody and I just I hope this is helpful but some people out there they're very easy to love but some others it's a challenge but I'm gonna tell you God loves them and we can too and we can too secondly God's love is up close and personal for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Once again, just brief theological note, you know what atheism is. It's people, it's the thought that there is not a God. Theism is the thought that there 
are higher powers, but they can be multiple higher powers, and it would be as different cultures see them. We don't subscribe to that either. But then there is deism, and deism is the belief, one God, only one God, but that he is a remote God, does not involve himself in our affairs. It is a long-distance relationship. That is not our God either. Our God, Christ, Christianity, Christianity, and it is not based upon the idea of no God or multiple gods or a remote God. It is based upon a personal relationship. He gave his only begotten son. And I'm just going to tell you right now, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it will not be a long-distance relationship. Jesus will be all up in your business. Just get ready, amen? Jesus, and you know what? And you're going to be glad he is too. It's a personal relationship and Jesus will be all up in your business. Two incredible thoughts about our faith. Yes, we make our faith. It should not be complicated. It should not be difficult to understand. But we still have a faith that is one of miracle and mystery. One of the miracles is the incarnation that God became one of us, that he gave his only begotten son. God's love is up close and personal. And the mystery then is of the Trinity, the three in one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then there's that beautiful phrase that says, aren't you glad that God did not send a committee? But then I thought during the night, well, yes, he did. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and in Jesus dwelt fully the Godhead. Amen? In Jesus, and when Jesus came, I'm telling you, the Father was here, the Holy Spirit is here, and the Son is here. And so that God gave himself. He gave himself. He gave his only begotten son. And that is the essence of love when we give ourselves to others. A little girl's father was deployed in the military while she was too young to really have locked in on him. But her mother reinforced her dad with a picture of him. They would talk about him every day. The deployment passed. I don't know how long it went. Long enough for her to mature to a certain point. And then there came the day when daddy was coming home and everyone was so excited and he was so excited to see his little girl and he came through the door and she looked at him and she backed up. She wasn't so sure. She wasn't so sure about it. And that was a tough moment, and as the day went on, she would look at him, then she'd look at that picture. She'd look at him, and she'd look at that picture. And then all of a sudden, she said to her mother and ran to her father, they're the same daddy. Jesus Christ is God. 
And God loves us that he came himself to us. Didn't send a committee, really. Did not send somebody else. Oh, my goodness, what are the opening words of the book of Hebrews about in times past, God spoke to us in this way and that way, but in these days, he has spoken to us through his son. God, who at various times and various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. For God so loved the world, everybody, that he gave his only begotten son up close and personal. God's love is faithful. God's love is faithful, and that is that for God so loved the world, everybody, that he gave his only begotten son up close and personal, that whoever believes in him, believes in him, Heard the opening words of Stephen Furtick's message this morning. And he was talking about Thomas in that upper room. Was not there when Jesus made that first appearance after the resurrection. He said that he would not believe unless he could put his hand in the scars of the nail prints in the hands of Jesus that he would not believe unless he could place his hand in the side where the spear went in, that he would not believe. I think it says a week later, they were there in the upper room, and I'll guarantee you Thomas was there. Now, there's a great message here. Nobody should ever miss a church service, amen? Because God's going to show up and do something, friends. Thomas was there the next week. Jesus showed up again. Jesus invited him. He knew what Thomas wanted. Jesus invited him to see his hands and to touch his hands and to put his hand in his side. And then Jesus said to Thomas, you believe because you see, blessed are those who will believe and they have not seen what you have seen. We know what believe means. It's been illustrated this way down through the years and that is, when you ask ourselves the question, do I believe that that chair can hold me? Do I believe that chair can support my weight? It can at least until now, but I don't know about a year from now, okay? Can that chair support my weight? Yeah. Well, sit down. Sit down. And then when I sit down, I have trusted that chair. God's love is faithful. We can believe in God. We can trust Him. That whoever believes in Him. Listen to the testimony of the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And verse 12, and you see here, the Apostle Paul says, I know whom I have believed. I know. And then he says, and I am persuaded that he is able, that he is able to keep that I have committed to him until that day. You know what the Apostle is saying? I'll put it in my own words as the Lord lays it upon my heart. The Apostle Paul is saying of the love of God, I know that I know that I know that I know. I know who I believe in. And then he is saying, and he has never failed me. He has persuaded me down through the years of his ability, his power, and his faithfulness. God has never failed me. 
And then I believe this is a way to say it. My life insurance is paid up, friends. I know who I believed. And he has never failed me. And when it comes that day, the end of time, that what I have committed into hands of Jesus, he is able to keep it. And when I arrive there that day, if he asks me, is your life insurance paid up? I will say yes by the blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. And I am secure for all eternity. Oh, how he loves you and me, everybody. He loves us up close and personal. His love is faithful. We can believe, we can believe in him. The fourth thing, oh my goodness. And God's love breathes into us the breath of life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible constantly teaches us in the New Testament that without Jesus, without repentance, without the forgiveness of our sins, without the love of God, we are dead in our sins. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And oh, you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. When God formed Adam, it says he breathed into him the breath of life. I want to tell you, without Jesus, without the love of God, we're dead. We're dead people walking. We are dead in our sins. And God, when we believe in him, love him, accept him, he breathes into us the breath of life. As the Hebrew word ruah, the breath of God, the spirit of God, he breathes it into us. We've just finished studying Ezekiel in our Sunday school lessons. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, God speaks to those who have a hard heart. A hard heart. And he says to them, I will take away your heart of stone and I will give you a new heart a heart of flesh then in the very next chapter Ezekiel 37 the valley of dry bones God says to Ezekiel can these bones live again and Ezekiel says only you know God and God said prophesy to these bones prophesy to them and he did they began to come together and they began to form flesh and they began to be a complete body. And then God says, do you believe that these, they can live? Do you believe they can breathe again? And Ezekiel said, only you know, Lord. Then God said, prophesy. Prophesy for the breath. And there in verse 10 it says that Ezekiel cried out to the four winds and said, come, come, O breath, breathe into them. And breath came into them, and they stood up. Oh, my, may we sing with our hearts that song that says, 
breathe on me. Breathe on me, Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit that comes in and gives me life, gives me the breath of life. One of my wife's favorite phrases, and it hung just about in every room in our house, on picture frames, on the face of clocks, that life is not to be measured by the number of breaths we take, but by the number of moments that take our breath away. I'm here to testify, and some of you are. God will give you a breathtaking life. A breathtaking life. God's love breathes into us the breath of life. And you know, there's somebody out there that if we would just love them biblically in the spirit of Jesus Christ, a new life would come into their heart. The breath of life. And then the last. God's love is for you and not against you. I like that phrase. And so verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God did not condemn Zacchaeus, the tax collector of Jericho. Everybody else had. God did not condemn the Samaritan woman. Everybody else had. God did not condemn the apostle Peter in his time of denial, but Peter sure condemned himself. And God did not condemn Judas. He was brokenhearted and sad over Judas, but Judas most definitely condemned him. And I am here to say to you, thank God the love of God is for us, not against us, and he has not come to condemn you or me. Glory to God. I do not stand condemned before Jesus Christ. I know words. I know phrases. And I love being able to pull them up, and there they are. Hillsong has a very powerful song that's entitled, Who You Say I Am. I am who you say I am. I'm a child of God. And one of the phrases in the song, you are for me and not against me. You are for me and not against me. Oh, how he loves you and me. To recap, God loves everybody, and in its unique way, we can. God loves up close and personal. He wants to be a part of our lives. God's love is faithful and trustworthy. He will never let us down. God will breathe life into us, and he is for us and not against us. Oh, how he loves you and me.